This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the, the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. Hello, you're welcome to The Left Wing with me, Sinead Kassan. So it's round two of the Champions Cup this weekend. Uh, Leinster are going for two wins out of two. They play Gloucester at the RDS tonight. Ulster are up against the defending champions La Rochelle in Belfast on Saturday evening. That's ground permitting. And on Sunday lunchtime, Munster are away to Northampton Saints at Franklin's Gardens. And in the Challenge Cup, Connacht are in France to play Brieve tonight. They're also going for their second win. Now, Rory O'Connor is here with me. I'm going to jump straight ahead to Sunday's game first and Munster against Northampton with a one o'clock kickoff. I got very excited when I saw that Munster team in the last half an hour because we've got Jack Crowley in the centre with Anton Frisch, Joey Carberry and also Connor Murray is back as well to start at halfback and Keith Earls is back in the team too. Just on Crowley, we saw him in the centre against Toulouse in the second half last weekend and it just showed big potential and now we've got it from the start. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's one of those cases of getting your best players on the pitch, isn't it? And, and Crowley is clearly, ever since, to be honest, I think it even predates the Emerging Ireland Tour, but whatever, it, that I think people have rated him for a long time. You know, the, to go back to Ron McGarra trying to sign him, you know, that doesn't happen by accident. He's obviously known about him, rated him. He's a very good Ireland 20s player. And we've been kind of waiting for his emergence you know, for a while now. And even though he's still a young man, Ben Healy was a year older and got the, got the stolen march on him. And yes, he is ostensibly a 10 and he risks, I suppose, that that old chestnut of like versatility. Does it do you any harm when you're you're a 10? Because Kieran Frawley's another who's kind of gone on the road as well. But it gets him in the team. It gets him starting. Um, although it didn't reap the rewards last weekend, there was something about his combination with, uh, with Joey Carberry in that second half, about the way he'd step in a first receiver, demand the ball and run the show. That was very um, impressive that um, looked just looked good. It looked like it had a lot of promise and it gave Munster an extra dimension. I quite liked it off the bench. It's interesting they've gone from from the start with it. You know, it, it's um, it, that will be, you know, like, you know, you're on against tired defenders. They'll have to work it out over across kind of, you know, 60 or 80 minutes. Uh, again, they've left Malachi Fekatoa out of the entire 23, which speaks to maybe poor recruitment or, you know, like yeah, that's a that's a big talking point. I think the fact that they've spent one of their big overseas signings on a guy that's not getting their Highland Cup team. But on the Crowdy Carberry thing, I think it has real potential to work and it really adds another, you know, we've seen them try and play a bit more expansive style this season and this allows them to do that. And it frees up fresh. You know, they've got a good back three out there as well. If they can get the ball to them, they, this could be a... Um, a, a good combination. At the same time, I think Northampton's big ball carriers will be looking at it as a potential defensive weakness, and no, no doubt. Yeah, Courtney Lowe's back there as well. Will be, will be getting you know a lot of traffic down their their channels, so that's a big challenge for them. But you know, it's it's good to see. And again, 
when Crowley's trying to get into World Cup squads, it'll do him no harm that he started a Heineken Cup game at, at 12. Yeah, for sure. What do you make of uh, Conor Murray starting? And was his game management kind of missed in those closing stages um, against Toulouse? Uh, Craig Casey's on the bench for this one. Yeah, I thought it's slightly hard and get harsh on Casey. I thought he was really good in that opening half. But when, when Toulouse got on top of the breakdown, he made, they made life very, very difficult. And I think that's when scrum halves tend to, to look bad is when the breakdown is, is messed up in front of them. And Paddy Patterson came on and, and just didn't really direct the traffic in the way that he needed to. And, you know, Murray, for all the people criticising him over the last couple of years, he's still, and you know, experience counts for an awful lot. His, his game knowledge, his defensive strength, you know, I think... He, He'll be quite key in, in helping Carberry and Crowley as well when without the ball. Um, you know, I think his box kicking is, is still on point, it's still very, very good. Um it's I think it's a clever selection. It's you know, whether he's left Casey there and brought Murray on for the last half an hour, what Murray doesn't do and what Casey does do is that oh, Casey coming off the bench gives you a change up and an ability to play fast for the last 20, 25 minutes. So I can understand that call. And and you know, his last act in an Ireland shirt was setting up was, you know, was making that break for that try. So, like, there's life in the old dog yet. And it was unfortunate his 100th cap was cut short that day. But I think there's still, you know, coaches keep picking Conor Murray for a reason. It's not because he's a sound fella. You know, it's it, he obviously adds an awful lot to the team. Yeah, and it was in making that break that he picked up that injury that time. Um, So, Munster Iron must win territory here, um, Rory, do you think? Because obviously beaten by Toulouse. And then you've got Northampton beaten 46-12 by La Rochelle. So, Huge pressure on both teams going into this one. Yeah, a lot of backs against the walls here. I, I mean, the format of this tournament means that even a losing bonus point could be enough for Munster if they can beat Northampton at home and get something in to lose. But you're talking about, you know, potentially playing Leinster in a in a last sixteen game if you if you know away from home if that's the way things go. You know, you don't want to be a bottom seed. You want to be trying to get as much point. This is essentially a points race against everyone else in Pool B, and it's a tough pool. All the best teams, nearly apart from Leinster and a couple of the South Africans and Saris, I think are in A as well. But mo- like you know, last year's Premiership winners, top fourteen winners, URC winners, last year's uh, Champions Cup winners, the previous year's Champions Cup winners, all on this side of the draw. So Munster need, I think, four points from this game. Five would be lovely if they could get it. I don't see it. I think it's going to be a tougher afternoon than many expect because while they're able to live with Toulouse, we've seen in the URC they they especially away from home they've struggled to sometimes separate themselves from from fairly average teams. I think that, Edinburgh game will be a good uh, confidence booster for this one. You know, this this is to be a similar profile of team they're going up against. You know, Northampton have Courtney Laws back. He's missed a couple of months worth of rugby. He started, so he came off the bench against La Rochelle. But previous to that, he hadn't played since September. I mean, he he's the England captain. I mean, he's an, he's an elite player. You know, starting Test line and brings that vicious kind of contact. He'll go after Carberry and and Crowley with those kind of full-on tackles even though he's had concussion issues in the last while he still plays unbelievably with an edge and I think when he's there Northampton are a better team but you look at the names in the paper and you think there's nothing to fear from that Northampton team and and if Munster do want to do something in the Champions Cup this year I think it's very early in this team's development but if they do and they're capable of getting to the knockouts this they should be looking at nine points off Northampton in the next two games and then they can get what they get in Toulouse and they'll be in the last 16. I don't see them winning it this year but like you can go far if you get a good draw. You know, another big talking point this week was John Ryan. Obviously, back he's in the front row as well for, for Munster this weekend. 
you know, we found out this week that Munster offered him the new deal. He decided to turn it down, join the Chiefs in New Zealand. And look, you know, I, I think everyone appreciates that's a great opportunity for him to travel down there with his family. But man, what a loss for Munster. Again. Yeah, and like, you know, the, he was offered a new deal. He also had deals on the table in England. The best deal he had financially was from the Waikato Chiefs. Munster didn't value him enough to make to, to make, convince him to stay. And this is the second time they've done it because at the end of last season, due to budgetary constraints, they took the decision to let him go. And he went and, and Wasps saw enough of him to um, to give him a three-year deal. And, I, you know, he will be a Wasps player now had they not have their financial issues. And when he was left hanging in the wind, he Munster picked him up and it's been very handy for him because he's starting every week. They've got injuries to Stephen Archer and Keenan Knox. I think even when they're all fit, he's the best tight head in their squad. I think Knox and Salanoa are clearly very high potential players. and Like, they're not spring chickens either. They're both in their entering into their mid-twenties and you know in the next while and they should be coming good but I think you know he he and Johan Van Graan Van Graan never rated him that highly and he didn't get picked for the big games Van Graan didn't retain his services they kept on Archer I think if if Graham Rountree you know, I can't speak for Graham Rountree but I'd say if he was making that decision I think Ryan would have been the one and Ryan the fact that he's starting these games he's playing well I think if he'd stayed, he could have had a shot at the World Cup. He looks really fresh. He's playing lovely rugby. He's winning turnovers. We're not that deep in that position in Ireland. But the Chiefs, having played for the Barbarians, impressed some of the Chiefs lads. He's getting a good financial offer, a good offer in terms of life experience, go down to the Waikato and, and play rugby in New Zealand. And he's taken it. He's got a young family. And uh, it's it's a big move for him. And it's, I love seeing lads go down and test themselves in Super Rugby. But from a Munster point of view, he's going to be a massive loss because I think they have a better chance of doing well in both tournaments if he's part of their squad. And I know there are financial constraints at play, but again, like signing Fekatoa when they probably needed front rows, you know, keeping Orgy Snyman when he just isn't able to get onto the pitch. There are strategic decisions being made that are coming back to bite Munster in the ass a little bit as the season progresses. Yeah, for sure. Um, you mentioned there as well now the format of the competition. This kind of comes to, into play now when we talk about Leinster's game uh, against Gloucester at the RDS uh, this evening. So Leinster named their team on Thursday. So we've got the likes of Luke McGrath, Ronan Kelleher, Jack Conan coming back in uh, to start this week. Johnny Sexton is on the bench. You know, this was already being viewed as a five-pointer for Leinster. And then Gloucester named their team and they've made 13 changes to the side that beat Bordeaux last weekend. Again, what does it say about the integrity and format of the Champions Cup when this is happening in the second round? Well, it's the format because, like, sorry, it, it is slightly the integrity, I suppose. And and I, I someone posted earlier on Twitter that Gloucester were actually warned by the tournament organisers in 2013 for sending a dummy team over to, or a, a poor team over to uh, to Munster. And um, I don't think those that there's any rules there anymore to preclude you from picking the team you need to Should pick. Should there be? I think it's very hard to enforce that, hmm. you know, and George Skivington can justifiably say, I've got five points on the board. I can send uh, this team over here, lose by lose five nil to Leinster and still pick up enough points in my last two games to get into the knockout stages. You know, I've got premiership games coming up that I find that I think are, are more important. I don't think he's basically saying he doesn't think his A team can win at Leinster or even get a bonus point. And, because they're not in a head-to-head battle for qualification places with Leinster, really, it doesn't matter to them what Leinster do. Leinster are going to top this pool regardless is, what, is the way they're looking at it. So he's making a very calculated, strategic, cold decision. I, if I was a Gloucester fan coming over for the game tonight, I'd be pretty annoyed. Yeah. Uh, if I was the broadcaster who's paid an awful lot of money to show this game on TV, I'd be pretty annoyed. Maybe these aren't George Kivington's problems, but I think what EPCR need to do is find a format that actually makes it essential 
that you should like Gloucester, even if you made this a 16 team elite tournament with the top five teams from each league, Gloucester finished fifth in the premiership last year. They will be in this, you know, they are one of the best teams, you know, in England. They've made a choice and they probably, like Montpellier did this last year, lost by 80 mm. something points to Leinster and still got to the quarterfinals yeah, and yeah. won the top 14. So it's hard to throw the book at, or, or you can be disappointed with Gloucester, but really, He's doing he's doing what he thinks is best for his team. It's probably pretty could be pretty um damaging night for the players that he sent out. There's a couple of good players in there. It's not a completely um terrible team, but I think, you know, knowing what we know about Leinster and, and knowing that Leinster, because they are in a points race as well, and they are like if they can get twenty points in the pool stages, which is now very much on the cards, they may that means they've no away games in the knockout rounds. They'll be in Dublin all the way to the final. Like that's a massive prize for them. Yeah, no, it is. I, I don't know if you saw Jim Hamilton's tweet then yesterday. He said that uh, I have just seen Gloucester's team to play Leinster in Dublin on Friday. A six-day turnaround, which is mental. Until the Champions Cup is a fair playing field, you can't expect Prem teams to feel their strongest team against a team like Leinster who are fully loaded and rested. I, I'm not sure if Jim, Jim quite realised that Leinster and Gloucester both played um, last Saturday when Gloucester were at home and Leinster were in France. Yeah, and... I, doesn't he say like sorry you, know, you see people saying Leinster equals Ireland, but that's not you know they obviously are made up by the same number of players. So that's based on the players themselves. It's not like there's some automatic. I think that in some like cases in England, there's this almost a thing where Leinster are are, are set up to just be the Ireland suppliers, as if that's you know it's not accurate. And you know, I think Jim Hampton is wrong here. I think you know Leinster are doing the same. Leinster are prioritizing. European Cup over the URC to some degree, but they're doing that because they've won all their URC games as well. So they'll rest players in the games over Christmas, but they'll probably, they have such a strong squad that they can that they they can win those games as well. Like, like I think there is some resentment in England towards Leinster because they're not subject to a salary cap because the IRFU they've so many centrally contracted players that the IRFU have basically taken six or seven Ireland players off their books, which allows them to go out and sign. Um, Jason Jenkins, Charlie Natai, and Michael Alatoa. But at the same time, they're not exactly top shelf. They're clever acquisitions. Like none of them, you know, like Malachi Fakatoa and Orgy Snyman down in Munster are far bigger names than those three players were when they came in. But you know, that's good recruitment. Look, like this is this is a, a European competition. You have French teams with a massive budget. You have English teams struggling and with a salary cap. You have the Irish teams who don't disclose their budgets, but we believe them to be quite high. Leinster are the biggest spenders of the lot, but it's largely a homegrown squad who happen to be good enough to, to be the Ireland squad. They're entitled to pick who they want. Gloucester are entitled to pick who they want, but I think playing the poor, poor mouth is a bit ridiculous, to be honest. And, and when, when a couple of years ago, they would have been talking about relegation and how Gloucester had to focus on the Premiership. There's no relegation. Wasps and Worcester are gone, so there's less games in the Premiership. You know, like, I thought they were, they were strapped for cash. If Gloucester can get into the top half of the draw, then they have a home European last 16 game. The gates, revenues from that, maybe go and run in this tournament, maybe get some prize money. But, you know, they've made a strategic decision. I don't see why Jim Hamilton, who I think is an excellent, excellent what he does and is entitled to his opinion, but I don't see why we should feel sorry for them. Yeah. And, you know, tonight, obviously, you know, five-pointer for Leinster. But I mean, Leinster lose out from the fact that they're not going to get an, a competitive game. I mean, this is, we want to see them having competitive games at this stage of the season before it goes to knockouts. Yeah, and they've 17,000 fans who've bought tickets and 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 I think they were heading towards a sellout and, you know, they'll feel short straight, short changed and next year when these fixtures come around, if the format is the same, now it's a big Christmas night out, I'm sure for people and stuff, but are they going to go, I'm not spending however much it is to go to that game. You know, I'd rather go to the, 
the the like I think the the Connacht game on New Year's Day is if you're if you only had fifty euro to go to one of them you go to the Connacht game because Connacht will bring a, a stronger team and it'll be a better game of rugby. Um, where this tournament kicks into gear is the last 16 but yeah these games don't do much for Leinster at that stage I thought Racing away would be a proper test but they blew them away partly because Racing were poor but partly because they were so good themselves um, they've got to be looking at building like they should be looking at trying to set new records tonight you know this is this is what they should be you know that, isn't that Bergwan or, or Ajen back in the day um, when they put 100 points on them like that's they are in a. There would be other teams who get to nineteen, twenty points in this pool. They need to be getting as many points as possible. They have to be ruthless, and they should be looking to punish Gloucester for this. You know, they should be looking to say, "How dare you come over to us with this, with this?" You know, and treat it with the disdain it deserves. So, like, I'm sure it'll be a stronger Gloucester team when they go over to King's home in, in a couple of weeks' time, and then they've Racing coming to the Aviva, who will be probably looking for points themselves. So they'll have tests to come, but it just cheapens the whole thing. It, you know, you're building up to it all week, for, even from our point of view. And then you see the teams and it's a damn script. I always thought Leinster will win this game. Obviously, George Givington did as well. And he's been kind of cynical about it or, or kind of strategic about it. But it's, yeah, it does. It definitely takes the shine off. And the fact that it's on free to TV, it's on RTE tonight. You know, chance for the, 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 the competition to showcase itself in every living room in the country. You know, yeah, this, yeah. this won't do anyone any favours, really. No, for sure it won't. Uh, but Apart look, I think... In the race for as many points as possible. Yeah, um, I suppose like the you know, big game of the weekend is uh, Ulster against La Rochelle in Belfast. As it stands, as we're recording uh, lunchtime on Friday, that game is going ahead there. Now, there's going to be a call made uh, today, Friday, about whether the pitch will be safe to play on. So that might change by the time you're listening to this. But uh, Ulster have named their team and a big boost to have Captain Ian Henderson back there, Rory. John Cooney also back. Luke Marshall back in the centre. He was in great form uh, earlier this season. Uh, Rory Sutherland starts in the front row there as well. Yeah, it's a good team. I mean, they're missing one or two. Stockdale misses out after getting his injury last weekend. Um, I do think a lot rests on the, the venue, um, whether they can get the pitch across the line. I, I heard last night that it's 80-20 in favour, that they think they'll get it done. They've had heaters on the kind of worst affected parts of the pitch. But it kind of... I think there needs to be some infrastructural investment across the four provinces to make sure that this sort of thing doesn't happen again, that they get under soil heating because it might cost, it might be one-off costs, you know, at one stage, but like the amount of money Lutzer will lose if they have to move this game to the RDS, the amount of face they'll lose amongst their own fans if they have to move to get this game to the RDS will be absolutely, you know, it, it won't go down well. It was a massive, I had the story the other day that, the RDS is being prepared. I believe it's completely ready to go. That BT will swoop in. They, they know they can set it up, that the, the staff are, are on standby in case they're needed. So there's a very real prospect that they'll have to move the game. If and it will that would take place, Roy? Sunday, is it? No, Saturday as well. There's, Saturday there's, as well, right. Both yeah, yeah. teams play on the 23rd. There's no appetite for a Sunday game. So and they're both playing next Friday night. And they both, especially La Rochelle, who have to travel over. They're on a charter into Belfast as we speak. Um, They picked a very strong team. You know, it's, it's pretty much their, you know, Unlike some other teams that we've already talked about, Stad Rochelet take this tournament very seriously, probably because of who is in charge of them. He's coming over, you know, he's he's locked in for another couple of years, Ron Nagara. This is his team. He's it's his first time coaching. It is his and first time, isn't it? Coming to Ireland. As I say it, I'm trying to question I question myself. As certainly, a head coach, I think it is. Uh, certainly as a yeah, as a head because I don't think he played an Irish team in Ireland last year. So um it's a big moment for him, you know. And yeah. I think, you know, it, like uh, I I think everyone respects what Ulster can do at home. I think everyone respects Ulster, Ulster as a team. It's been a surprise to see them collapse in the last two weeks. And I know they had their travel difficulties last weekend. But um, 
with that side they've put out with you know Will Skelton starting strong front row that Skelton Antonia Axis Aldrich and the back three with Dylan Lades and you know Jonathan Dante in the center it's a really really strong team they have a very good bench a lot of impact on there including Ulton Delan it's good to see him back he missed last week's yep. game um no, it's a big day. For, it's a big day for both teams because I think Rochelle are one of those teams targeting a massive amount of points to get into the last sixteen in as strong as possible, a place as possible. Because again, home advantage is so so important. That's why Ulster want to cling on to and make sure they're in Belfast, even if it is like the pressure on the referee today making that call. It's Luke Pierce when mm. he's out in that pitch. I mean, the the Ulster uh, bean counters will be just to, like to be beam, you know glaring at him hoping that he kind of makes that he'll be getting daggers all around because if he if he says this isn't safe to play we've moved to Dublin there's a lot of refunds so they have to dole out yeah no for sure I mean you could say like we know what's happened to Ulster obviously over the last few weeks you could say like playing the defending champions is the last thing Ulster needs needs right now but in many ways it's probably the best thing they need right now because nothing will sharpen them like that La Rochelle team and Ron O'Gara coming yeah, well, I mean, it, it it really shouldn't matter to Ulster who they have this weekend. They owe everyone, including themselves, most of all themselves, a performance. I know Jonathan wrote this week that they, they should be refunding the fans. I mean, there's a lot of strength of feeling up there about what happened in Sale last weekend. And look, this is the team that had realistic ambitions of getting going deep in this tournament, and now they're on the back foot. So even if it was Zebra coming over this weekend, you'd be looking to front up and, and show what, you, what you're what you about. And I mean, when it's La Rochelle, you have to, as you say, like it is in in some ways perfect, but I mean, it's also a very dangerous fixture. If they lose this, I know a very a small amount of t- points can get you out of the tournament, but they didn't get anything. They would have banked on getting something out of sale, at least a bonus point. And then they're on zero points. A lot of teams are on five. La Rochelle are very, very strong. They've won away from home big games before. They've won at difficult venues before. They're not one of these French teams that you you kind of write off because they're away from home. And this this is a big. We're going to learn a lot about this mm. Ulster team tomorrow. Where even if it's in you know, especially if it's in Dublin, but even in in Belfast, I think this is a, a key moment in their development under Dan McFarland and their season because it lose heavily lose here. That's that, that those knockouts are looking like a bit of a long shot and that's a big step back for a team that have been on a really good path and you know have looked very good in the URC this season I see I feel it's like a continuing question the whole time with Ulster like where is the real Ulster like <laughs> yeah it's really like Munster I think they both have similar you know they're both kind of on this you know they're almost battling below Leinster for for primacy in terms of you know the second place team in Ireland and the one that's most likely to either challenge Leinster or go deep in the tournament and for the last two years, I think it has been Ulster that they've looked a better team. We saw that in the, in the quarterfinal last year, but Munster are, are on a bit of a rebound. They're on the showing a bit of a renaissance, but Ulster have more of the fundamentals in place. They're further down the line, and I think across the season, they'll do very well. And teams hit, you know, other than Leinster, teams hit black spots, and they've hit a black spot, and they've done it at a really difficult point of the season. I don't think it makes them a bad team, but it can dent confidence badly, and it's a bad time of year to, to go into that rut. So we'll just a quick word then on Connacht. Um, you obviously mentioned there just obviously big Interpol derbies coming up there in France to play Breve tonight. Uh, a pretty struggling Breve side. Uh, Bundy Aki is actually back in for them, so he probably does need that game time. And they've got Ulster then coming up next Friday at the Sports Grand. So we are, you know, coming into a very important period for them as well. Yeah, and they've gone with a, a stronger team than than may, maybe many of us expected. I suppose Bundyaki doesn't need as much rest as, as the other internationals because he hasn't played much rugby this year. So he's probably released a bit more. I know, um, you know, Finley Bealham probably is, is the one who's had most international involvement, but he'll come back for the, in, for the Interpros. And I think they'll be really locked and loaded. And, and they'll have found out an awful lot about their squad in these two weeks. And 
they should be targeting at least four points over and breathe. I know Breve have a bit of Irish interest. Daniel Brennan is starting, Trevor Son. They've got uh, Sammy Arnold and um, Abraham Papali. He was a Connacht last season. So that's two player, two former Connacht players who were there last year who were going up against Connacht. So they'll know them well. They've had a terrible season. They've just lost Jeremy, like, sorry, they've lost Jeremy Davidson a while ago, but they oh, officially yeah. confirmed it this week. Um, and they're bottom of the top 14. From what we know about French teams being bottom of the top 14, this competition won't matter to them. They're at, they are at home and they've picked a lot of you know good players in their team. So they could make life difficult for Connacht. Um, I think it's going to be hard to watch. It's on EPCR Rugby TV. I believe there's a lot of registration involved. Yeah. Um, so it might be, I know John Fallon is covering the game for us, so you might have to rely on John to find out what happened. But <laughs> look, I know you had a great piece of Adam Byrne today. You know, you can maybe speak to his mindset, but the way he played last week just shows they have a bit of depth in certain positions, you know. Um, and they, like it's good to see Sam Millo and Darren Murray get goes. He looked really good when he came off the bench earlier in the season they're finding out about their squad a little bit and they're trying to just kind of get their way to the knockouts without putting too much emphasis on this tournament, which I think is smart from Andy Friend. Yeah, so your prediction, so we can go with the five-pointer for Leinster. Uh, you reckon Connacht might win? I suppose so it's kind of coming into like just Ulster and Munster then. I had a pretty bad week last week with the predictions, I think. I think I predicted Racing would win, which is looking pretty stupid now. I think Munster... I think it's a banana skin, but they have enough quality. You look at the two teams, They, if the, if their renaissance is real, if their revival is real, then they should be winning. You know, a narrow, I think it's going to take a tight game. Um, Ulster, I think that's a strong La Rochelle team. You know, I'd like yeah. to know where it's going to be played. But if, even if in, Bel- in Belfast, I think La Rochelle could just get over the line in that game. Yeah, okay, Rory, lovely stuff. Thanks for that. A reminder as well that the rescheduled Women's AIL Finals on tomorrow, Saturday in Donnybrook uh, between the defending champions Railway Union and Blackrock College. So let's hope that game goes ahead this time. Will and Luke will be back during the week to review the second round of Champions Cup action. Bye for now.